Good morning, everybody. Uh, I want to invite you to, well, first of all, let me ask you, are you feeling good today? Are you feeling strong today? Yeah? Amen. Since you're feeling so strong and so enthusiastic and so excited and so empowered, I'd like for all of you to stand one more time uh, as we read the passage that we're diving into today. We're in a series. We uh, oftentimes will go through a series where where we'll Uh, look at a specific topic. And the series that we're in right now is called Headspace. And the question that we're asking is, what's on your mind? Because what we've learned in the course of this series so far is that the thoughts that we entertain determine the life that we experience. The thoughts that we allow in our mind actually, actually have an impact on the world that we experience. Our mentality affects our reality. And so all throughout the scripture, we see God trying to get people to understand who he is, to expand their understanding of who God is and who they are in relationship to God and what God can do in them and to them and through them. And we see him doing this throughout the scripture. And today I want to focus on one incident where Jesus is trying to get you and me and his disciples to expand our understanding of who God is and what he can do through us. He's, he's desperate to get us on board and on the same page. The scripture says his thoughts are bigger than our thoughts. His ways are bigger than our ways. So he's always trying to draw us up. He's always trying to get us to think bigger and dream bigger and imagine bigger and believe bigger. So open your Bibles if you have them to Mark chapter 9. Now let me just warn you, this is a very intense passage. I'm just going to give you a warning in advance. This is intense. All right. There are no lambs and waterfalls in this passage. Okay. There's other stuff, but this is going to be intense. So just hang with us. So right before I I read it, the backdrop is that Jesus, Peter, James, and John had gone up to a very high mountaintop and they'd had a spiritual experience at the top of this mountain. And it's called the transfiguration and I'll preach on it sometime. But, but what, what they experienced up there was powerful. It was beyond what you would normally experience in your everyday life. And it was a wonderful and, and empowering spiritual experience that they had. And then they came down the mountain and they, and they, they ran into a, the other disciples who had not had this spiritual experience. And so these other disciples are in their sort of normal, small thinking, mundane, Debbie Downer kind of life. And these guys are coming down from the mountaintop and here's what happens. It says this. It says, when Peter, James, and John came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law were arguing with them. So, so the disciples and these, and these religious scholars are having this long argument. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder, and they ran to greet him. What are you guys arguing about? Jesus asked them. A man in the crowd answered. He said, teacher... I brought you my son, and my son is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth, and he gnashes his teeth, and he becomes rigid. And I I asked your disciples to drive out this spirit, but they couldn't do it. Now, let me pause right now, because some of you are, I know what some of you are doing right now. You're, 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 You're emotionally taking a step back right now. You're like, wait a minute. Spirit, evil spirit, possessing. Wait a second. Hold on a second. Wait, wait, wait. What is all this, right? But let me just tell you, don't, don't, don't withdraw yet, all right? Because Jesus has something that he wants us to learn from this passage. 
He has something that he wants to grow in us through this passage. When I first read this, I thought epilepsy, you know, but here's the good news. Jesus actually knew the difference between an evil spirit and epilepsy. Throughout the scripture, we see him handling both issues. There was something unique happening for this young boy, something powerful, something strange that was harming this young man. And his father is deeply concerned and comes to Jesus' disciples to see if they can heal this young man or help this young man. And for whatever reason, they can't do it. So you would expect that Jesus, after he learns that his disciples weren't able to help this young man, would say something like, or at least when I'm reading it, I think Jesus is going to say something like, you know what, guys? Don't worry about it. We're going to have an exorcism workshop in the family center uh, this Sunday. And we're going to get you up to speed on how to cast out. Right? I expect him to be very you know, gentle with this. But listen to what he says. He turns to his disciples and he says, you unbelieving generation. He's mad. How long am I going to have to stay with you? He's exasperated. How long, he says, am I going to have to put up with you? Bring this boy to me. So they brought him the boy, and when the spirit saw Jesus and immediately threw the boy into a convulsion, he fell onto the ground and he rolled foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, he said, how long has your son been like this? And I love that. That's a tender moment. I, I think Jesus is connecting with the dad here and saying, look, this, you guys have been through it. You know, you've been raising this kid and he's been struggling with this you know, how long has this been going on? How long have you guys had to work through this? From childhood, the dad said. And it's often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. And then the, the father has this desperate question. He says, if you can do anything, if you can, take pity on us and help us. I love Jesus' response because he goes, if you can, do you know who you're talking to right now? Are you saying, if I can do something? He says, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. Everything, he says, is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but you're going to have to help me overcome my unbelief. How many of you are glad that sentence is in the Bible right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's my line right there. That's my jam. God, I believe. I do. I'm a pastor. I, I, I believe professionally. All right? But sometimes you got to help me with my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. He said, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked and convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet. He stood up. How many of you know there are times in your life where something seems dead until Jesus touches it? Relationship can seem dead until Jesus touches it. A dream can seem dead until Jesus gets a hold of it. A hope in your heart can seem dead until Jesus says, I'm going to lift you up, right? A lot of things in our life can seem dead, but if we'll open them up to Jesus... And believe, he can lift them up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples came to him privately and said, why couldn't we do that? He replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. Today, the title of my message is, how big can you believe? How big can you 
believe. Tell somebody in your row, I believe in you. I believe in you. Grab a seat and we'll dive in. This is a tough passage. It's a tough passage for a number of reasons. I struggled, I'll just be honest with you, preparing this sermon this week. Because there are so many elements to this passage that are just so hard to get into and hard to get through. That there was a, uh, there was a moment this week where I, I literally said, okay, I'm actually not going to preach on this passage. I mean, I've, had, I've been planning to preach on this scripture, on this story, on this incident for several weeks now. And I got up against it. And I start pushing against this passage, and I'm like, man, I had a demon possession and miracles and Jesus transfiguration. I'm like, God, what are you trying to get me to talk about right now? And, and, and so I gave up on the passage, and then I got another passage, and I started to try to make a sermon out of that, and I abandoned that one. I got another one, and, I, and then God kept bringing me back to this one and saying, look, I've got, I've got something I want to teach some folks in this passage. What makes it tough is because, number one, we're experiencing something in this passage that we don't experience in our daily life. I don't know about you, but I don't see a lot of demon possession incidents going on in my normal nine to five, in my normal flow, right? I mean, I don't check in on Facebook and see that people have updated their status to hashtag possessed, hashtag Beelzebub. I mean, it's just not something that's in my normal, my normal day, right? So we're going, all right, so first we got to get past this, all right? Then we've got the miraculous element. And, you know, again, a lot of times in our own life, we're not, Jesus, wherever he went, he did stuff like this. Like, you know, you read the passages, you read the gospel, five loaves and two fishes, he takes them and feeds 5,000 people. A man comes up who's blind, he spits in the ground, he puts mud in his hand, he puts it on the guy's eyes, he can, he can see, right? A guy comes to him with leprosy, Jesus touches him, he's healed. Jairus' daughter is dead. Jesus goes over and heals. I mean, you read this over and over and over in the scripture, but in our normal life, we're not seeing that same kind of thing. So now we've got the demon possession and we've got the miracle thing to get over. We've got to try to figure out, like, how does all this work, right? And, and, and then the other element that is troubling about this passage that, is that some of you have probably grown up in, in religious traditions where this kind of passage would be used to bring shame or, 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 or condemnation to you. Right? Where you have felt guilty because something happened in your life and somebody said, well, if you had only had enough faith, then that wouldn't have happened. If you'd only had enough faith, then your mother would not have gotten sick. If you'd only had enough faith, then your father wouldn't have died. If you'd had enough faith, then your child wouldn't have strayed, right? And so, you know, you have this experience where you go, okay, well, now I feel guilty and I feel ashamed and I feel like everything is upon me, right? But God in this passage is not trying to convey that message, This passage is actually not primarily about demon possession, and it's not primarily about miracles. It's not primarily about uh, uh, convulsions or falling into water or falling into fire. This passage is about one thing. It's about potential. Jesus says, all things are possible to those who believe. He turns to the Father, and the Father says, I believe But see, what's possible in my life is not as possible as it could be because I have a little bit of belief, but I'm going to need you to help me with my unbelief. I see my potential right here. I'm going to need you to open it up so that I can see a little bit more of what you have for me. Jesus is frustrated with his disciples because he's been with them for 
years, and he's demonstrated to them, and he showed them his power. He's imbued his power upon them. He's given them his power, and then they don't really believe. They kind of believe, but they don't totally believe. They sort of believe, but not totally. I don't know about you, but I, I, I have this thing where, I, first of all, I love being a pastor, and I happen to be one of those pastors who actually loves people. I know that a lot of pastors are like, oh, you know, can I go, where's the library, you know? Um, but, but I actually love people. It takes me 20 minutes to get from my front door to my car if there's anybody within 100 yards of my neighborhood because I'm like, hey, hey, how's it going? You know, I'll run over. But anyway, I love people, but one of the things that always happens in my mind is that when I see somebody, I see them, what they are, who they are right now, but there's a part of my mind that is going, I see you 10 years from now. I see some things in you that you might not see in yourself. This happens to me all the time. I, I, I meet somebody and then I project a future for them. I see their potential, right? I look at them and I go, oh man, this guy, you know, I, I see what he could be, right? This happens all the time. And this is a kind of a blessing and a curse, right? Because not everybody sees the same potential that you see in them. You see a potential in them, but they might not see it in themselves, right? I mean, some of you know this because some of you ha- have, here, here's the problem. Here's the problem with potential. By its very definition, it is unfulfilled, right? By its definition, it's not fulfilled. And some of you have experienced this because I know some of you have probably dated somebody with potential. Anybody have that experience? You know, he didn't have a job, but he's got potential. He's got no money in the bank, but oh, he's got potential. And you, you know, and you want to see something in this person that they don't see in themselves. You know, they can do more, but they don't know that. You want them to believe in what they can become, but they don't believe, and you want them to. And that's what Jesus is doing to us in this passage. He's saying, guys, I've got stuff for you to be able to do, but you can't do it unless you believe you can do it. Your potential is is exponential if you'll link it up with my power. Here's what he's saying. If you believe God's power becomes your potential. If you believe, God's power becomes your potential. How else could he say everything is possible to those who believe? So I'm struggling with this passage this week. I'm looking at it. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to think about, God, how can I communicate this? I came across a, a, um, a theologian, a, a Scottish theologian from the 1800s, Alexander McLaren. And I love what he said about this. And I just want to read you this this little passage he says about this text. He says, here then we have our Lord telling us that faith is omnipotent. That means all powerful. That's a bold word. He puts no limitations on the phrase, all things are possible. I actually looked up all things in the Greek this week. It means all things. All things are possible. To get the true force of these words, we, shout, we should put them alongside of the other sayings of our Lord's. He says, with God, all things are possible. That is the foundation of the grand prerogative in this text. The power of faith, listen to this, is the consequence of the power of God. All things are possible to God. Therefore, all things are possible to me believing in him. The power of faith consists in its taking hold of the power of God. Faith is omnipotent because it knits us to omnipotence. 
Faith is nothing in itself, but is that which attaches us to God. And then his power, he says, flows into us. God is saying, Jesus is saying in this passage, God is all-powerful. God can do all things. When you put your faith in God, you are connecting your life to his. And his power becomes your potential. His power flows through faith from God into you. And you experience the power of God through faith. I want to illustrate it for you. Kirk, let me get this. Thank you. This is a pipe. All right, come on. Thank you. This is a pipe right here. Um, In your basement of your apartment or your house, you're going to find one of these. All right? It's going to stick into the wall in the basement of your house or of your apartment. And it's going to have one of these right on it, right? right as it comes into the house, okay? This part of the pipe goes through the wall into the reservoir from which the entire city is given water. There are millions and millions of gallons of water in this reservoir, right? All the whole city's water comes from this reservoir. This pipe leads into your house. This pipe leads to your shower and to your sink and to your dishwasher and to your washing machine and everything in your house that uses water, right? This is called a shutoff valve, right? Here's how it works. When you turn it to the right, it shuts off the water. Somebody say righty-tighty. Lefty-loosey. All right. You turn it to the right, you tighten it up, Now the water, the millions of gallons of water from this reservoir are cut off from your house. The water cannot come into your house because the valve is shut off. When you open the valve, when you turn it to the left, all of the millions of gallons of water in the reservoir are now available to your house to flow into your shower, to flow into your dishwasher, to flow into your sink. All the the millions of gallons of water in that reservoir can now come into your home. The valve is your faith. God is saying, look, God's power is infinite. It's immeasurable. It's omnipotent. And his power can flow into your life if you have the valve open. The father in the story says, Jesus, my valve is a little bit open, but it's not all the way open. I got a little trickle of water coming into my life. I believe, but I need you to help me with my unbelief. My valve is a little bit open, but I need you to open up the valve a little bit more because my son has been hurting for a long time and I, and I, need, I need to believe in something that's impossible for me to believe. And Jesus says, if you believe, all things are possible. If you believe, your potential grows in relation to God's power. Through his riches and his glory and his power and strength, we have access to it. There are no caveats. There are no qualifications. He says, look, I want you to know that God's power can flow through the valve of faith if you will open the faith. So what what we're going to do today is we're going to pray, God, I need you to open this valve for me. I need you to open because there's stuff in my life. I can believe you for some stuff, but there's some stuff I'm just not sure God, I mean, I, I, I kind of believe that you can restore that relationship, but I'm going to need you to expand my belief. I need you to help me with my unbelief. I need you to open the valve. I believe, God, that you have a, a purpose for my life that you want me to fulfill. 
but I'm going to need you to expand the valve. I need you to open the valve of faith in my life so I can believe it a little bit more. I, I believe, God, that you, that, you, that you want me to pursue this career, that you want me to meet a person to fall in love with. I believe, but I need you to open the valve. I believe, God, that you can help my child who is wandering and hurting, and, but I need you to open the valve. I need you to open the valve of faith. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray today. Thank you, Kirk. We're going to pray today that God would open the valve of faith in our life. That we, like the father in this story, would say, I'm here. If you didn't have a trickle, you wouldn't be here. Let me tell you, you would not be here if you didn't have a trickle in your heart right now. You wouldn't, you wouldn't bother to come if you didn't have just a little trickle in your heart. And today we're going to say, God, I want you to open up the valve. I, w- I, want, I, want, I want to achieve what you want me to achieve. You know, I get frustrated when, I in, when I'm with people who don't, who don't see their potential. And this week I, f- I experienced God speaking into my heart going, how do you think I feel? You know, how do you think I feel about you? Because I've got stuff for you to do, but you're going to have to expand your belief. You're going to have to open up your heart. You're going to have to have some faith. You know, you got to have bigger faith if you want bigger things to happen. You got to believe bigger. I want you to open it up. I want you to believe, right? This week we had a bunch of students uh, from U City High School. We, we went over to the, the, the school and, and some of us went and met these kids and 40 or 50 kids and got on a bus with them. And we went over to, um, to the civil rights exhibit over here at the History Museum and just awesome, awesome kids. You know, we're talking and then we brought them all back up here to the family center and we served lunch and we talked and we talked about God and we talked about their potential. We talked about faith and we talked about all this stuff in their life, right? And there was this one kid that I listened to and I was listening to this kid because he was talking during one of the discussions and this kid had done a lot of reading on his own. He had done a lot of research on his own. And the way he was talking, I just thought, man, this guy, he's like on on a different level. He's very sharp, very crisp. Like this guy is like super, super tight. And I thought, man, I I, I actually did that thing where I saw what he was going to be doing in 10 years. In my mind, I, I saw, I actually saw him as, a, as an attorney. I thought, man, this kid, he, he's going he's gonna to be an attorney. He's going he's gonna to be a good attorney. All right, so don't, don't, get, don't get upset at him. But he's going he's gonna, he's gonna to be fighting for justice. He's going to be doing, he's going to be changing the world, this kid. I, I, I see it, right? So after our discussion, I go over to him and I go, okay, so hey, man, what, what, uh, what year are you in school? He said, I'm a senior. I said, okay, what's the game plan? What's next? And he goes, uh, um, and, he, and then kind of stuttered around and kind of came up with this and that and whatever. And I realized he had no game plan. He had no, he had no plans to go to school. He had no, you know, and I'm, and I'm sitting there going, well, in my mind, he's a lawyer 10 years from now. And in his mind, nothing. I mean, he didn't know. He has no idea, no thoughts. So I spent about, you know, the next 20 minutes trying to open the valve a little bit and said, hey, man, listen, listen, I was listening to the way you talked. And I was, and I start telling him, like, I see this in you. And he's looking at me like, no one has ever, ever spoken to him this way. He's like, he's like blown away. It's like, I mean, I could tell. I, I thought, actually, I had, to, I had to back off for a minute because this kid was like getting overwhelmed. But I'm going to meet with, with his counselor. I'm going to connect with him. But, but here's the thing. You know, God is saying to us, look, I want to open the valve of your life. There's more for you to do, more for you to, to experience in God than you are currently experiencing. And you know it. You know it. We, ha- we know we have more potential than we're actually living out right now. But sometimes we go, man, I'm doing, I, I've got all, I know there's more for me to do, but I, I can't. I'm tapped. Like I'm doing all that I can, but there's more for me to do. But 
there's more for me to do, but I can't do anymore. I'm already, I'm, and I'm stuck, and I'm, right? And God's saying, here's what I need to open the valve. Because when I open the valve, then your potential expands. When I open the valve, things, your life expands, your ability expands, your understanding expands, your belief expands. So I'm going to open the valve of your life so that you can experience more and you can become the person that I actually designed you to be. So here's what we're going to do. This is a very practical, practical message in that I'm going to give you four things in the next few minutes. And I want you to pray for one of them. Don't pray for all four of them. Because it'll be like hooking up to a, to a fire hydrant and you'll just get blown away. So only pray for one of them, all right? Only pray for one of these things in your life. Because there are four things that, that, that I believe if, we, if one of them opens up in our life, then we, then we start to actually experience our true potential, all right? Um, and the first one is, God, develop my courage, okay? Develop my courage. You can write these down. Develop my courage. Number two, grow my character, now, now, just one at a time. Not, not, don't do both of these. Either develop my courage or grow my character. Don't do both, right? Expand my comprehension. Expand my comprehension. Or strengthen my commitment. Strengthen my commitment. These are four things that God does in our life that actually allows us to expand our potential. Allows us to understand who we really are. Allows our potential to begin to line up with God's power. So let's start with the very first one. God, develop my courage. Develop my courage. I'm going to admit to you right now, this is mine. This is mine, okay? Develop my courage. Everything I've ever done in life, personally, that has been worth anything, I was afraid to do. Personally. Ever since I was a little kid, fear has been a a factor in my life. Did I just say fear factor? I just said fear factor. Um, There's been a fear factor. Joe Rogan has been in my life ever since. No, some of you don't have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, but everything that I've ever done, when, before we started Youth City Family Church, can I tell you what my main feeling was? Terror. <laughs> Fear. Like, well, God, I mean, what if I blow this? What if I totally, ba- I mean, what if I, what if I mess up? What if I get up there and I have nothing to say? What if people just look at me like I'm crazy, you know? Which you do sometimes, but, and I accept that. But, but that, was what, that was my feeling. That was my, that's what prohibited me for years from actually stepping into the calling that God had for me. I was afraid. I was afraid. Before Rebecca and I got married, I was afraid. Because, not of her, I'm bigger than her. Uh, but, but I was afraid that like, what if I mess up? What if I'm not a good husband? What if I turn out not to be a good father? What if I'm a bad person? What if, you know, and God, I... And I had to face that fear in order to have a relationship with her, right? She was afraid, and she'd said that I could say this, she was afraid of having children. But thank God I helped her overcome that fear. So praise God. That's what I do. She had the hard part on that one. But moving on, moving on, moving on, moving on. Um, But anything we do in life that's worth anything, at least for me, when it's, really, when it's really something that I'm not sure I can do, my response is fear. And God says, look, the number one obstacle to faith is fear. That's why, that's why the Lord in the Bible, more than any other statement, more than any other command, you've already heard this, he says, do not be afraid. And notice what he does. He doesn't say it when he's sending someone out to lie down in the clover. Lie down in the clover and don't be afraid. Sit down and read a book with a cup of tea and don't be afraid. No, go slay a giant and don't be afraid. 
Go fight that battle and don't be afraid. Go cross that line and don't be afraid. God is always trying to say, look, I want, I, if you want to experience courage, here's the warning if this is your thing. If you want God to develop the courage in your life, he can only do it through fear. The only way you can develop courage is facing fear. Courage does not grow in instances where fear is not present. Because courage is the only thing that helps you overcome fear. So you will not, develop, you will not overcome a fear of flying by staying on the ground. You will not overcome a fear of intimacy by staying in your room. You will not overcome uh, the fear of failure by not trying. You have to step into the face of the thing that you're afraid of so that you can develop the courage to overcome your fear. This is what he does over and over. This is how life works. When I was a kid, one of the things of many that I was scared of was heights. And so when I was 16, I decided to get a job with a roofing company. And I started roofing houses and roofing commercial buildings, you know, 20, 30 feet up sometimes because I was afraid of heights. Now, my fear didn't totally evaporate, but I learned to overcome my fear. At the end of that summer, my dad came to me because my dad, my dad wanted to help me with this. And he goes, hey, son, you want to go skydiving? And I go, not really, but okay. And so my dad and I, when I was 16 years old, got up in a perfectly good airplane that worked perfectly and flew up in the, and the whole time, man, I'm terrified. You're buckled, you're like in this little tiny tiny little airplane. There's only three people. And my dad was like, not afraid at all. He was just like, oh, this is going to be great. You know, I'm like, you're crazy, man. So he gets out, jumps out of the airplane, his chute opens. He's having a hoot. And I am so terrified that like, I can't breathe. I'm about to pass out. I don't know if you've ever been that afraid, but there's a certain level of fear where you're like, I'm, a, I'm literally tipsy right now. I'm going to fall over. That's how I was feeling. And there's a cold, there's an ice coldness to it in your throat. And you're like, oh my God, I'm afraid. I, they, they, the way they do it is you've got to climb out onto the strut of the, of the plane. There's a strut that holds the wing and then there's a step and you climb out. And I wasn't super spiritual at 16, but I got super spiritual at 16. I was praying. Man, I was prophesying, speaking in tongues. I was, I was like seeing visions. I'm, you know, I was like, God... And, and I let go of the strut, and I'm like, and I prayed the whole way down. I was like, Jesus, help me right now. Lord Jesus, God, help me right now, Father. Hallelujah. Um, <laughs> God is going to put you in situations that make you afraid so that you can overcome the fear, so that you can experience the potential that he has for you. So for some of you today, that's what it is. Some of you need to just say, God, this is it. I need, Lord, to experience your courage and your power, and your strength in my life. And God, I need to not be afraid. And I, I, need you to, I need you to give me your strength and your courage to go ahead and step into that thing that you have for me, right? Because when you do that, you start to learn that God is with you over and over. Children of Israel, and I'll move on to the next point. Children of Israel, remember God said, go and take the land. I talked about this last week. Take the land, it's yours. It's already been predetermined. It's yours. They said, we can't. Why? We're afraid. Why? Because they're so big and we're so small. We're like grasshoppers. They're like giants. We can't do it. We're afraid. Wandered around for 40 years. And then 40 years later, finally, they're like, okay, we can do it, right? You know the speech that Moses gave to them before they crossed into the land? You know what the speech was? Don't be afraid. God is with you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. You can look it up. He says it 20 million times. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Some of you right now, that's your, that's your prayer. God, help me to experience your courage so that I can step into the thing that you have for me. I know that you have more for me, but I'm afraid and I need you to open up the valve. All right? For some of you, it's grow my character. All right? 
You're not afraid, but there's stuff in your life that's in your life that you know is in your life that shouldn't be in your life. One of the very first things that happened to me when I became a believer is the very first thing is I experienced a great sense of gratitude to God and joy. Like, my God, I just, I, I've, I've been, I believe in you and, and you've, you've pulled me out of darkness. And, I, and so I was, I was excited. The second experience, literally within maybe 10 minutes, was a, an absolutely crystal clear, explicit understanding of the things that needed to get out of my life, Right? There was a lot in my life that needed to be removed. And, and so I began to pray, God, I need you to grow my character. I need you to develop in me some habits and remove some habits that shouldn't be there and develop some habits that should be there. I need, I, because if I want to experience the real power that you have for me, if you want me to grow into my real potential, then I've got I've to grow my character. This week, Art Bollinger, a uh, man in our church, came to our house because... Um, our shower, our upstairs shower wasn't working. So I went downstairs and I checked the valve, right? I was just seeing if you guys were with me. I checked the valve. The valve was open, right? So we went up to the upstairs shower to see what was going on. We opened up the wall. We broke loose a pipe, and this is what the pipe looked like. You see that middle part? That's called corrosion. So the water was coming into the house, but the water was blocked from actually, uh, we couldn't experience the water because it was blocked by this corrosion. When we have things in our life, sins in our life, habits in our life, things in our life that we know we need to get rid of, it's not that we don't have faith, it's that God cannot break through all of the junk that we've got in our life that's blocking his power from entering into our life. There's corrosion in our heart. There's stuff in our life that needs to be removed. It needs to be removed so that we can experience the flow of God's power from the, from the reservoir into our lives, into our hearts, into our souls. Now, some of you know what that is. In fact, all of you know what that is. Let's be, let's be real. You know what your deal is. You know what your thing is. I don't know what it is. Don't care to know what it is. You know what it is. I know what mine is. We've got stuff. All of us have stuff that we go, you know what? Yes, there's something in my life that, that is not the way it should be. It's not lined up with God's truth and I'm not living in obedience to God's law and and I'm not walking you know as a child of the spirit in the way that I should in this area of my life God I need that part removed right can I warn you on this one the warning on this one is it kind of hurts to have that stuff removed it stings when stuff is revealed to you that you know shouldn't be there it stings it's uncomfortable people don't like it you don't like it when somebody confronts you with something that shouldn't be in your life. It's not pleasant, right? It's not fun, but it is for your good. He doesn't, God doesn't do it because he wants you to have a restricted life. He does it because he wants you to have a free life. And, and the stuff that's holding you back is the stuff he wants out of there. I have a, a three-year-old, and I, my wife tricked me into taking him to the doctor the other day when, when it was time for his shots, okay? So I had never taken him in for a shot before, um, but she, like, did this, I don't know what it is, some kind of Jimmy Jam thing that made me, that made me, made me do it. And so now I'm taking my three-year-old to the doctor to get a shot. And um, I told him in advance, I go, son, you know, you're going to get a shot. Um, it's going to hurt, but it's going to be okay. And he's like, okay. You know, he's three. He trusts me so much. He's like, okay, no problem. If you know my son, Augustine, he's three. And he's like, he's just got this big smile. He kisses people. He loves everybody. Everything's cool. And um, so we go, we go to the doctor. 
And they've got a table. We put him on the table, and I go, okay, so you're going to get your shot now. So it's going to sting a little bit, but it's going to be okay. And he's like, he literally goes like this. <laughs> I swear, I promise you. That's what he did. And I thought, uh-oh. Um, and so they, I don't know why they do it, but they give him a shot in the thigh. So anyway, they give him the shot. He looked at me. His eyes went like, his little pupils, and tears. And it was like betrayal. It was like, you betrayed me. I trusted you. Right. And how do you explain to a three-year-old, it's for your good. It's, it's, you know, so you won't get smallpox, you know, right? I mean, there was nothing, there's nothing I could do, right? Sometimes God has stuff in our life that he needs to pull out of there, right? And we don't always know that it's good when we're going through the process of getting it done. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it stings, but it's to prevent further harm. It's to prevent harm in the future. And he's going, look, I want to draw this out of you so you can experience the power of my presence in your life. So some of you, that's your prayer. God, grow my character. Some of you, it's expand my comprehension, all right? Lord, I need to, I need to understand better. I, I actually need to know better because I don't, there are things I don't know that you want me to know. So I, this is a knowledge thing. I need you to expand my comprehension. The young man that I spoke to about becoming a lawyer, the reason, he never, the reason he didn't believe he could become a lawyer, he didn't know he could become a lawyer. No one had ever told him that. No one had ever told him he could go to college, right? I mean, this is a kid that like just didn't know. He's got the hardware, but he doesn't know. Nobody told him. Nobody opened the valve. Nobody said, hey, man, this is what you can do. This is who you can become. Sometimes we just, a lot of us, you know, especially if we're newer believers, but sometimes when we're, when we're older believers or older believers or believers for longer, you know what I mean? I'm not messing with you, Craig. I mean, I'm not, you know. Um, uh, God, God is saying, God is saying, God is saying, Look, I, need you to, I just need you to understand better. I need you to grasp who you are. I need you to actually comprehend who you are. One of the passages that I was going to cop out and preach on this week, instead of preaching on the one that I'm preaching on, was, I still want to preach a little bit about it, Ephesians 3, um, where it says this. This is the Apostle Paul. And he prays, this is a prayer. He prays this. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep the love of Christ is. Because I want you to, look at this. I want you to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Think about that statement. I want you to know something that you cannot know. It surpasses knowledge. I want you to feel something that you can't possibly feel. It's like saying, I want you to lift something that you know you can't lift. I want you... Jesus is saying, I want you to experience, the, I want you to grasp the love of Christ, the depth of it, the breadth of it, the height of it. I want you to experience that. I want you to know something that surpasses knowledge. Because when you know that, it transforms your life. When you know that you are loved by God unconditionally, that changes you. Love changes you. Love is the most powerful force on the planet. And God says, what do I want you to know? I want you to know I love you. I want, you to, I want you to know that I absolutely adore you. I want you to know that I love you more than you can even comprehend. My love surpasses your ability to understand my love. But I want you to grasp it, right? So some of us today, that's where we're at. We just need to, we need to grow in our knowledge and our understanding of who God is and what he wants for us and who we are in him, 
right? Maybe, maybe you need to get in a life group or maybe come to our 201 or find a way to connect and start to grow. We have some new believers life groups. We have people that'll meet with you and talk with you, you know, whatever you need. But so, <clears throat> some of you need to grow in your comprehension and grow in your understanding, grow in your comprehension of who God is, right? So your prayer today is, God, expand my comprehension. Help me to know. Help me to know what I don't know because I, I don't know what I don't know. So I need you to tell me what I don't know so I can know it. Amen. Did you follow that? All right. Number four, last one. I'm going to close with this. God, I need you to strengthen my commitment. I need you to strengthen my commitment. When the disciples came back to Jesus in private, you know, after the whole incident, they're like, why couldn't we do that? Right? Because we did believe. I mean, we wouldn't have tried if we didn't believe. Right? We tried because we thought we could do it. In the earlier passages, we saw, we saw the disciples doing this kind of stuff. They did this kind of stuff already. They already laid hands on people and they were healed. And they had these kind of experiences already. So they come to him and go, why couldn't, we, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus said, this kind only comes out by prayer. Some passages say prayer and fasting. What he's saying is commitment. I need a, I, I'm going to grow it in you. I'm going to open up the valve of your potential. But it's, it's not something that just happens like this. It's something that requires commitment. It requires some time. It requires some energy and some focus. And it requires you not dipping in and then dipping out of it. It means you stay in it. It means you stay in the fight. It means you stay in the struggle. It means sometimes when the light isn't on, you keep looking and you keep searching and you keep fighting. There's a big difference between wanting a good marriage and doing whatever it takes to have a good marriage. There's a big, big difference between wanting to be in shape and then going to the gym every day to try to get in shape, right? The difference in all of this is commitment. And Jesus is saying, look, I want you to make a commitment. I want you to get deeper. I want you to grow deeper, right? I don't want you to just come to church. I want you to be the church. I, 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 don't, want you to, I don't want you to just receive. I want you to pour it out. I, want you to, I don't want you to just get ministered to. I want you to minister to somebody. Like, it's a deeper level of commitment. Dr. Martin Luther King gave a speech in 1963 in Detroit, Michigan. And there's a little excerpt from the speech that just struck me. And it's it's a powerful statement. He says, there are some things so dear. There are some things so precious. Some things so eternally true that they are worth dying for. And I submit to you that if a man has not discovered something that he will die for... He isn't fit to live. He says, commitment. What are you willing to commit to? What matters so much to you that you're willing to go all in with your life, with your heart, with your time, your energy, your family? What, what, if God is real, if Jesus is real, and he wants us to bring his light and his love and his truth to other people, man, what are we holding back? Why would we hold back on that? My old wrestling coach, Coach Jeffries, used to stand on the side of the mat when we were tired and we weren't working very hard and we were kind of half going half speed. And he would stand at the edge of the mat and he'd go, what are you saving it for? What are you saving it for? Pour it out, man. Pour it out. Go for it. Make a commitment. Get all in. Because when you do, you're going to see changes in your life. Some of you, that's your prayer this, this week. I've been, I've been 
fluctuating, Lord. I've been kind of committed to you, but kind of not. Kind of committed to pursuing the things that you have for me, kind of not. Kind of got the valve a little bit open, and then I'm kind of closing it. I'm kind of pursuing you. I'm kind of, but God, today I want to make a commitment. I want to take the next step. I want to go further. I want to push deeper into what you have for me. Because you actually are telling me, Jesus is actually telling us that there's more for us to be able to do if we'll push into it, if we'll go for it. He said all things are possible to those who believe, right? All things are possible. What if not just you and me and you, and, but what if all of us, what if this was our experience, all of us, and we all just said, God, open the valve of our heart. Let the power of your almighty presence pour into our heart. Come into our life. Transform us, God, that we might not just be, you know, getting by, but that we're, that we're pressing in, that we're transformed, that it's pouring through us and it's transforming the world around us. Imagine what that looks like. Do you know how many people's lives will be transformed and are being transformed? But the more the valve opens, just think about it. What God can do through a group of people who say, we're all in. We're all in. We're not holding anything back. Father, we want to push in. We want to grow our courage. We want to develop our character. We want to expand our comprehension. We want to strengthen our commitment. God, we're all in. Today, for some of you, that might be your prayer. God, strengthen my commitment. Help me to take the next step. And my prayer for you, my prayer for you is that you will truly understand the power of God's love in your life. That you will truly understand what God wants you to do and what he wants you to be. Because all things are possible to those who believe. Let me pray for us. Father, we come before you right now with gratitude in our hearts for this teaching, for your word, for your spirit, for your power in our life. God, we know that there's more in our life that you want us to do and be than we're currently able to do or be. And yet you say all things are possible. And so, God, we ask you to expand our potential. Open the valve of faith. Let your power flow through us. Let our potential expand, God, as we attach ourselves to you. God, I pray for every person here today, wherever they are in their spiritual journey, God, I pray that they would just open the valve a little bit more. We're like the Father, God. We say we, the, in the story, we say, God, we do believe. We're here because there's something about you that we, we do believe, but we need you to help our unbelief. Take us a little bit further today, God. Take us a little bit further. Help us to grow a little bit more. Help us to take one more step. Help us to, to, to expand your kingdom. Just one more step, God, that you may ultimately receive all the power and the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.